Welcome to the Water Learn Show. I'm your host, Francis Tapon. In this episode, I talk to Eric Gilbertson, who is a man who is trying to climb the tallest mountain of every country in the world. He is two-thirds of the way there. You'll also hear about his experience trying to climb the tallest mountain of Libya and Chad and why he got blocked in that attempt. This is definitely a fascinating conversation, and I look forward to talking to Eric throughout his multi-year journey to accomplish this crazy goal. This episode is brought to you by my patrons at patreon.com slash ftapon. Become a patron, get some rewards. Thank you so much. And here's Eric Gilbertson. talk about a different death zone uh the border between chad and libya (laughs) you know about Uh, that (laughs) i do know all about that (laughs) but i'm gonna let you talk this time (laughs) so i want you to i want you to tell me about that uh misadventure yeah we went to uh in and chad last december the goal was we you're talking about um me and two friends uh serge and ginge Okay. And we were hoping to get the Chad Libya high points. We needed this one document. We wanted to get all the permission, though. They require some documentation to leave the area around the capital city. This uh, permit circular. I can't remember exactly what it's called. And you need like 10 government ministers to sign off on it. And so we put Ginge got there like a week early and we sent in the paperwork and we thought it was going to get ready in time. But it kept being delays and delays. I ended up waiting there for a week. We were all ready to go. There was just like two ministers that were out of town. And they wouldn't and they didn't have deputy ministers and they wouldn't sign it. So we never got permission, so we had to abort the mission and climb something else. We later heard that there were like uh, some like rebel activity up in the north and maybe that was affecting they weren't actually going to give the permits anyway. Well, Ginch has done that mountain twice. He's probably yeah. the only person, well, besides maybe one of his guides who's done it twice. I don't remember when I did it. I only got, I think, the Ministry of Tourism, I think, something like that. I can't remember who, who gave it to me, either the Ministry of the Interior or Ministry of Tourism, one of those two. But I definitely did not have to go to 10 different places. So obviously <laughs> something has changed. And Ginch would also say the same thing to you. He probably said to you, it wasn't like this before. Didn't he say that or no? Wasn't there like an attempted coup or something in the past few years? I think things maybe have gotten more difficult since then. No question, but that's the point. I'm just saying that it wasn't that complicated before. So things are definitely seem to be a lot more complicated now. Yeah, definitely more complicated from uh, the people we talked to in Chad. No one was getting permits, even the like people that weren't climbing mountains that just wanted to go outside of town. Like ministry right. people, they weren't getting permits for anything. Just regular tourists who want to go check out some um, rock formation? No, like people you... with churches that are going to like teach oh, okay. schools. Okay. And... Yeah, if the government's not giving them permits, they're not giving anyone permits. You obviously still want to do those two mountains. What's your plan B now? Because um, you're a persistent I mean, political... guy. You're not going to give up. I mean, that's two weeks down the drain and probably a lot of money. Uh, but at the same time, 
you know it's possible and doable. So well, what's yeah. your plan? How are you going to avoid this problem? Is there any way that you can find out how many signatures you need in the future? Uh, our contacts in Chad recommended trying to start the process significantly earlier. So like instead of like a week in advance, maybe a month in advance, uh, maybe if the ministers are going in and out, there'll be enough overlap that they'll all get the signatures then. I'm not, I'm not sure exactly though. How much bribery is involved? Do you have any idea? Oh, and getting the permissions? Correct. Guess, yeah. Because uh, some ministers will say, what's in it for me, you know, to sign my, give you my autograph. Yeah, I mean, if they were there in person, we would have tried that. We tried calling them up and we got them on the phone, but they were like, yeah, I'm in the other part of the country and I won't be back for a week. And it has to be their signature. Yeah, I'm sure there's a way around it. Hmm. We didn't We didn't figure that out. Uh, I'm just so your plan B is to just get there a lot uh, or maybe not get there, but just try to do all the procedures from... Uh, from far away from the United States or whatever. And then yeah, that's what they recommended. I mean, I would, they would know best that my contacts and on the ground there. So, okay. Um, I mean, coming in from Libya is not really an option because Jin's tried that for a long time and it's even worse political situation. Yeah. Um, and more dangerous, not just political. I mean, probably politically, you could probably swing it more. I guess the logistics in some ways is easier if you come in from Libya in the sense that you just got to bribe every checkpoint or something like that. Um, did you, but of course, there's a legitimate danger there. But why not try that with Chad? Would you have considered that like just like just drive and leave and you're going to hit a checkpoint and just give everybody you meet a hundred bucks and just keep doing that until you get to your destination. Cause there's I mean, not that many checkpoints. There's probably like what, I don't know, 10, 20 checkpoints or something like that. And if you give everybody a hundred bucks, that's like two grand. I don't know. I mean, that could be a plan C, try the plan B, go there on the ground. If they don't give right. permission. I mean, if you think that would work, you're more of an expert in Chad than I am. Yeah, but I don't, I have never tried that route. I just imagined, you know, like, well, what would I do if they said no? Then what if you just go and every single checkpoint, there's a person there who asks for your papers? I mean, the other option is just to forge your papers. Uh, you know, too bad I don't have my original documents because <laughs> then I would know what they're supposed to look like. But then you could probably just forge them and get past at least half the checkpoints would just get past on a, a fake document. Uh, anyway. In Africa, you have to definitely be creative, um, but it's uh, it's very frustrating that you're all ready to go, and this is a tough and not that hard of a mountain. But yeah, anyway. we also uh, paid kind of a lot of deposit to the helpers there, and they're not just going to give it back. So the money's exactly. kind of been invested. So we kind of we've already paid part of it to the helper people there. It, when you go again, can you can you do something, you know, like? Yeah, it's not all lost. It's like, okay, next time, not as expensive. Right, 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 right. You know, that, that one country, Bhutan, I think it is. Tell us about that. Yeah, that's the highest, un that has Ganga Punsum, the highest unclimbed mountain in the world. So that's definitely the crux of the country high point list. Tell us about it. So, so some people attempted to climb it in the 80s. It was actually open for mountaineering, but they weren't successful. And it's, and Bhutan in the 90s, they closed all mountains, I think, above 6,000 meters to climbing. And maybe it's lower than that for religious reasons. 
So there was one more attempt in the 90s by a Japanese team from the China side because the mountain's on a disputed border with China. So they got most of the way up and then China decided they didn't want to annoy Bhutan. Bhutan was protesting, so China revoked permission and that team turned around early. So those are the only attempts. And since then, there hasn't been any permission given. So that's a big question mark how, I mean, it's possible situation will change, political situations change a lot. That's a question mark though, how to get that one. Justine Kirby asks about countries that uh, don't have mountains like many of the small Pacific countries. Will you instead visit some strange high point? How are you going to deal with those? Yeah, I mean, there's still a highest point for every country. It might not be a big snowy mountain. But like in the Pacific Islands, they're still little hills. And these are actually very difficult. The main difficulty is finding where the highest point is. It's not like a big volcano. You know where the top is. Right. So there's different ways to do this. There's satellites can measure elevation, SRTM. You see that on Google Maps or Google Earth. But that's not always accurate enough. There's LIDAR. plane can fly over. But... They're not going to do that for every country. That's expensive. Some countries, they actually do land surveys. So like Tuvalu, I was looking into this one for a long time. What's the high point? And the UN actually in 1986 did a land survey doing transects of every island. So I found where the high point of that is. But other islands like Marshall Islands, I think there's too much uncertainty. Nobody hasn't been surveyed. No one knows exactly which of the 50 islands the high point is. You inspired me when I was in Gambia because the high point was not exactly where I thought. And so eventually you taught me where it really was. And even with Togo, there's a controversy with Ghana. There's a controversy. So a lot of West Africa, not a lot, but a few West African peaks, the official high point is actually not the high point. So West African of them. (laughs) So tell us about your, the little gadget that you had to help figure out where you were. You, you brought a, a techno gadget that communicates with satellites. Yeah, so I did some research. There's a handful. There was a there were a handful of West African countries where the high point wasn't known with certainty. So the the high point that everyone thought, I double checked with the satellite data, which covers has global coverage, and there were other candidates, and they were all within the error bounds of each other. So no one knew exactly. There hadn't been any ground surveys. So what I did was I brought this really fancy GPS unit with me. It's like this ten dollars or $20,000 unit that can get three centimeters vertical accuracy if you sit it at a location for an hour. And then you post-process the data, which I had professional engineers do. So for each of these countries in West Africa, I brought this unit to all the candidate high points and measured the exact elevation. So in Gambia, I chose the top four candidates based on satellite measurements. And I took this unit there. And they were all within like, several meters of height of each other so there's no way you can tell by looking but with this device then i measured okay this one sorry for your hill didn't really have a name but that was like the name of the nearest village so that one's the high point of the gambia and then togo manotilakutse is the true high point not mount agu which all the sources online say and then what was it guinea bissau mount ronde is the high point not this other unnamed hill nearby that people used to think. So this, this uh, it's like a Trimble Geo XR GPS unit. So I just rented it, or this company, Compass Data, just lent it to me for free because I thought it was a neat project. So that's the unit that measures the, the elevation. 
You had to give it back though. Just kept it for the trip. And actually the people, the officials were very suspicious because I stored it in the Pelican case in the airports. They were always real suspicious because no one comes in there with a Pelican case. So they're always inspecting it. Pelican cases are these really hard, robust cases that are look like almost military. Yeah, and the survey unit, I need to have it on a tripod, and there's this little like orb on the top that helps correct errors. So on one of the Togo candidate high points, Agu, there were some military guys up there, and that looked really suspicious to them. So they they made us get out of there really quick. We got enough measurement, but it, the equipment looks kind of suspicious, I suppose. <laughs> it looks like you're an alien creature landing there, especially uh, Africans who may not be used to seeing that kind of stuff on top of their peaks. They always thought we were Russian spies. Multiple countries were <laughs> like, "Why would? What else would you be? Why not CIA spies? What's wrong with that?" I don't know. We were going in for the Central African Republic high point from the Cameroon side, and we motorcycled in, and just near the border was a checkpoint. And someone had radioed in, and they weren't going to let us go. My friend, he he's really good at getting through these things. And he we later made friends with the police and military. And they were like, yeah, we were certain you were Russian spies. It's like, <laughs> Russian spies, that's what they assume we are. <laughs> Who knew? That's funny. I never, in all my travels in Africa, nobody ever called me a Russian spy. So I guess that must be a new thing, maybe because a Wagner group is there or something like that. They said they hadn't seen, one guy had never seen white guy there, and one guy hadn't in the past 13 years. But you were there, so maybe you just snuck around them. <laughs> exactly. No, I definitely sneaked, snuck around the border uh, to get to the tallest point of uh, Central African Republic. I don't. I don't. I didn't have any struggle, and it's kind of weird. It's kind of like a steep rock uh, that just kind of juts out. If you yeah, uh, and there's a scramble. The military guy with like a big AK on his back and the police they had to escort us to the summit. So they scrambled. They were like passing their gun through underneath the chalk stone to get up on the top. Why? Why didn't they, they just wait for us. you at the base? Why did they have to like go all the way up there? Who cares? I think they, they actually wanted you. the view because they were taking all <laughs> kinds of pictures up there. They were pretty excited. <laughs> Funny. Um, okay. And then Robert Hahn, uh, another person asked a question. His question was, how has the red tape situation changed since you began this quest what year did you start this quest and has the red tape gotten easier or better what or worse um i started like 2010 denali the usi point was the first one it's hard to say if things have improved or not it seems like some countries get better some get worse <laughs> like for instance uh syria used to be not a problem back th- back years ago before the the conflict i had a friend there who invited us over and I mean, now it's a problem. I tried to go up from the Lebanon side and there were like snipers up there and they turned us around or we got turned around before then. So some countries get worse. Some countries get better, like Sri Lanka. I tried to go there a couple years ago and I got to the base. It's like a military communications compound on top and they wouldn't let me in. I, I gave myself three days there to try to like bribe someone or I couldn't get in. But now this this past month, one of my friends found a contact that said, yeah, it's open now. You can go. So some places get easier. Some places get harder. It's kind of hard to know. I'd say if a potentially troubling country opens, the window's open, you got to go quick because it might close. Yes, again. that's right. Yeah, and that's certainly true. And I keep waiting for Darfur to open up. What mountain, Eric, is technically like to name me the top five or so 
mountains that are technically challenging. Obviously, Everest has got to be mm. up there. Uh, I wouldn't say like the most technically difficult. I mean, Everest. No, I'm saying. Six. Yeah, they have oh, Everest, like, but I mean, come on, it's 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 tall. <laughs> What's harder than? I mean, there's obviously harder mountains. K2 is harder, but I mean, what other mountains? You already did Kachanjunga in India. So what other mountains do you are like worried on a technical issue? Forget about the bureaucracy. Assume you got, you know, what, what would you say is up there? Oh, that I haven't done yet. Correct. Um, I mean, some like one mountain I did two years ago, Pobeda is much, much more difficult than K2 or Everest. I would say that's among the hardest. It's got Where's altitude, the Kyrgyzstan high point. Yeah. Very few people have heard of it, but it's got mixed climbing, ice climbing, like mega cornices, terrible weather, high altitude. That's like one of the, it might be the hardest country high point in the world. I'm not sure. But uh, ones I haven't how done high yet. How high is it? It's like 7,500 meters. Okay, but it's yeah, a lot high. farther north. And yep. that increases the apparent altitude, like the pressure yes. at the summit. So yeah, it feels just like, like 8,000. Denali. Yeah, just like Denali does that. Yeah. So it feels like 8,000 meter peak. Yeah, and yeah. I got frostbite on all my fingers on that one coming down, wrapping all mm. these V-threads in a storm. Yeah, that so that one might be the hardest in the world. But of mm. the ones I haven't done yet, hard ones, well, Bhutan, nobody knows. That could be very technical. Myanmar has been climbed once for sure. That sounds very, uh, Razi, that sounds very technical. I, I want to survey that one, though, because there's another contender in Myanmar that might be higher and it's, and it's easier. Mm. Uh, the Georgia High Point Shkara is very technical. I bailed on that one. We got like 18 pitches of ice up and to the summit ridge, and then a blizzard came in. That one's technical. Did you have to go back and do it? I haven't or... returned. We came okay, from the okay. Russia side, which is not an option now. It's on mm. the border with Georgia. Mm. So I think the south side on that one, it's a lot of mixed climbing, but I think it's the safer way. Bhutan, let's say that's your last mountain. What's your, what would be your, what would be your plan of attack? Uh, well, if China gives permission, that's probably more likely than Bhutan changing their mind. That might be the only option. You can I approach it from some, Chinese side. It's on a disputed border. That's how oh. one group that China gave permission to them in the nineties and okay. they got most of the way up. I think mm -hmm. that might be the most likely chance. Okay. But some of the hardest ones might actually be political. Like the Yemen high point is a military complex. Mm. It's like, how do you get permission to go in there? Yeah. And there's a couple like yeah. that. Like Cyprus, the high point is in like a, some sort of NATO military zone. Equatorial Guinea has a military high point uh, on there. I, I don't know if you went to Equatorial Guinea. But they give permission. I, I, they did. But recently they stopped doing that. Oh, in December, they, they said they would give it. Oh, that's interesting because I, I was just like some... this close to going, but all the COVID restrictions at all the COVID testing men, it take too much time. I would, you know, be very careful about that because they have, when I went there, they were constructing a church right near the summit within like, you know, a 10 minute walk from the summit, just below it. And when they tell you, we'll give you permission to go to the summit, that's probably what they're talking about. Just going to that church. <laughs> Not to the actual, there's a big round ball, like a, ra a radar, a white ball at the very top. And that is military. And my understanding is that ever since that church has been open to the public, they have stopped letting people go to the actual summit. Now, 
So you made it to the yeah to the actual mil. Yeah, it was complicated. I had to basically bribe my way to the top and I got scolded at the top, but I was actually at the top. I was there before the um, they closed the summit. But anyway, then I went a couple of years later with somebody from South Africa who wanted to go up to the top and she could not get the permit. I tried my best to get a permit for her, but they just let us go to the church. So anyway, just beware of that. Yeah, I do have a couple of friends within the past year or two, I thought they got to the church and they just bribed and they got through the fence to the. Yeah, that's probable. Yeah, that's probable. Yeah. I mean, I could, I could believe that. I could believe that. Yeah. I mean, you can solve a lot of problems with just a hundred dollars in Africa. It's amazing. <laughs> just a hundred. Yeah. 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 just a hundred dollars. <laughs> but I mean, think about all the other expenses of flying out there and all the other things. I mean, if that's between doing it or not, I got to interview you again, but I also got to wrap this one up. Um, so we'll we'll have a part two at some point. Eric, I really admire what you're doing. How can people follow you? Tell us your website. Uh, countryhighpoints.com is a website. Awesome. And then Instagram is uh, twins to the tops. So me and my brother do it. Yes, there's so much more to talk about, Eric. Um, so we will do that. I promise. Uh, thank you again for being on the WanderLearn show and we'll talk to you later. And that ends this episode of the WanderLearn podcast where we explore travel technology and transformation. If you'd like to see the show notes with links to what we've talked about, go to WanderLearn.com and click on this episode. If you'd like to connect with me, just remember F Tapon. That's my first initial and my last name. F Tapon is always my social media username. My website is ftapon.com. Do you want to leave me an anonymous voicemail where you can make a comment or ask a question? Then go to speakpipe.com slash ftapon. Furthermore, if you'd like to get rewarded for supporting my projects, then go to patreon.com slash ftapon. That's where you can pick up some remarkable rewards for as little as $2 a month. Now, five quick favors. Number one, subscribe to the WanderLearn podcast. Two, download it. Three, share it four, review it, and five, sign up for my newsletter at wanderlearn.com. Our theme music was composed by Eric Stratman. This is Francis Tapon encouraging you to wander and learn.